Welcome to another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences, Inc. Dr. Steve Wood, episode 99, one away from 100. And, and what better way to start episode 99 with my guy, my, my co-host here, Bill Kanaski, and the Kanaski rant. Bill, what, what are we ranting about today? How are you? Yeah, I don't want to just hop right into it. Everybody's going to think I'm a real jerk. Um, I was going to ask you, how was your, how was your Thanksgiving holiday? It was good. I, I ate way too much food. I, I watched a lot of football, <laughs> won some money on DraftKings. So all in all, it was, it was a good weekend. Can, can you believe after the weekend beforehand, I find myself in the same predicament of four days of space dust again? <laughs> Not good. My, co- my cousin brought it over. He likes space dust. And I was like, oh man. Did you have PTSD so, flashbacks from, uh, from earlier? Yeah, had, well, yeah. Yeah, I was in trouble all weekend because of that. So I'm still trying to get my cognitive function back. Um, great holiday, but uh, I kind of need a break and I need some rest. And that's not what space does. Space dust uh, does to you. No, I think it literally says on, on the bottle that this is not intended for rest. Yes. Exactly. Well, I'm glad that you're, you got your microphone back. You're in your studio. As you can see, I am not in the studio today. I am in Raleigh, North Carolina for a mock trial. But as you can see by the shirt, I'd rather be in Chapel Hill. And I will be in Chapel Hill drinking beer in roughly 2.5 hours. And we'll be heading to the Michigan, North Carolina basketball game. And by the time people view this, we'll figure out who the winner is going to be. But um, I'm getting out of Raleigh as fast as possible, but I got to come right back. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, did you, have you been, this is number 99? This is 99, yes. You know, you would think this would be a more significant episode. I mean, we're planning the big stuff uh, for next one, but man, well, thank you for all your work. This has been fun. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of feedback. That's one of the things. A lot of feedback. I mean, random. Random attorneys sending us messages, telling us how much they love the podcast. Um, yeah. So I think we're doing something good here, right? Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate. I think we haven't said enough that we appreciate the listeners. So I think I want to go on record now to say that we appreciate everybody who's oh, absolutely this long absolutely. and has sent, sent us a lot of good emails, uh, questions, and, and feedback and stuff. So we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other thing that just happened recently, which again, by the time, and this is still going to be going on by the time this is broadcast next week, I think, um, the sports world is like upside down. I mean, well, first off, college, I let college sports just rip my heart and my soul out of my body, and they just stomp on it, Steve. They stomp on it. That's what yeah. they do. The players do it. The coaches do it. And what Lincoln Riley just did and the domino effect this has i mean if you're like if you're an oklahoma fan right now you are just throwing up all over yourself right if you're a notre dame do you know how many notre dame clients i have oh they they won't talk they can't talk they're they're appalled at this 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 these coaches bouncing around and steve have you seen the contracts yeah they're wow they're they're nice they're big they're big contracts. And like I said, Michigan state did the same thing to keep Mel Tucker. So I think everybody's getting paid now. The college coaches. Should you and I ask for a raise? We, Maybe I mean, we should. We, we got the podcast. There we we should have wrote that into the contract. You, know, you get to podcast 100, you get a bonus or something like that. There you go. I like it. 
I mean, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. So um, we're not going to be long here today, but we're going to start this rant. Okay. Because I'm really upset. And, and here's why I'm upset. And it, well, two things. We just got a really nice, um, I forget the guy's name, but he posted today. He posted, he posted the link. I don't even know this guy. I think he's, I think he's in Arkansas, right? He's a, he's a trial attorney in Arkansas. He posts our podcast, says how great it is, shares it with his, all of his followers and says this particular episode's really good. It's on, you know, trial prep tips, you know, going forward, you know, post COVID or whatever you want to call, I don't know what to call this. Right. And we just went, we put that on two weeks ago, that, that episode. I did that one solo from Vegas. I was in Vegas doing that one solo. Steve, I swear, either I really screwed that one up or no one listened to the podcast. Because in the last two weeks, what have you and I been through? I, hell, I mean, hell. mind mind-boggling defense counsel, please, please. And for those of you listening and not watching, I'm just like squeezing my head. I'm gonna lose my mind. And I mean, I'll tell you my story, Steve. So I walk in the office and the attorney says, I'm going to get some coffee. I'll be right back. Hey, that wasn't a bad guy. We have trial in a week. He, the witness, is like, hey, I'm so glad for your help. I said, so while the attorney's out, I say, hey, very important homework. I go, um, where's, your, where's your deposition? Can you get it out? Because I want to go. And he goes, what deposition? <laughs> I went the one that they took of you two years ago. Oh, you know what? I never got a copy of that. This is the def named defendant in the case, Steve. How in the world? Just explain to me why the defendant hasn't re not only have they not reviewed your deposition seven days before trial, they haven't, they don't have possession, right? <laughs> they, I mean, I and so then the attorney goes back in, I'm going. What in the, oh yeah, we're getting around to that. We're we're getting him a binder, and I'm going, it's seven freaking days until the trial. So what ends up happening is which we're gonna talk about after this, is um they had a very tough liability case. I think they were gonna get screwed on liability. But what we did was we worked on and this is a big theme here, mitigating damages because they're going after nuclear verdicts. That's what the plan smart is doing. And these guys went in and asked for $20 million. And the jury came back at like 4.5. So um, I'm still not happy. Um, apparently the witness performed pretty well, but you know, there were some sticking points when they didn't, you know, have the time to go over their, their deposition. So I guess what I want to say, I mean, I know this sounds like common sense stuff, but it actually happens quite often. You Before I get there, before Dr. Wood gets there, before Dr. Parker gets there, you have to have gone over the documents, the exhibits, and the damn deposition with your witness. I'm not there to go over, no, that's not what I do. That's your job, attorneys. And I come in and, and no one's ready. And so possibly could happen we had to keep stopping oh i gotta get familiar with this oh i gotta get familiar with that well you could have did that yesterday you could have did it last week 
it's just unacceptable. And I know, okay, maybe, you know what, well, listen, we've all been sitting around for a year and a half, two years. Okay, I get it. Come on, people. That's my that's my rant for the day, but I want to hear your story because it's, I just, I just don't, I don't understand. I just don't understand. Well, mine was actually even worse and it was more frustrating because, you know, you and I, what we, I mean, uh, primarily the biggest thing that we do is work with witnesses, you know, on top of mock trials, but we do a lot of lit witness work, you know, yeah. and, and I spend a lot of time making sure that my witnesses are prepared. And I, I take a lot of pride in having prepared witnesses and making sure that when the attorney sends me an email, when I check in, that they say the witness did well. Uh, but I had a certain situation recently where going back to you talking about preparation, where worked with the witness and then gets on the witness stand and then abandons everything that we had talked about that we had spent time with and went back and did what they believed was, you know, screw, screw everything that you did talked about before. I'm going to go back and do what I believe works and abandon the game plan. And there was, was, was a bad verdict in the case. And not only that, when they talked to the jurors after the case, the jurors told the attorneys that they detested the witness and he did all of the things that we told him not to do, but he decided to do them on the witness stand. And I think that comes down to, like I said, just making sure being prepared and, and you know, having the witness understand that, look, follow the process, right? If you follow the process, good things are going to happen. You want to go out on your own. You want to yeah. abandon the process. And, and there's a reason why you didn't do well in your deposition. And, and now there's a reason why you didn't do good in the trial uh, testimony. You know, I think this comes down to a couple of things. And, and again, I'm just, I'm telling everybody this going forward because I'm tired of cutting corners. Trial prep, prep for trial testimony is a two-day minimal process. And that's us, right? The attorney has to do their own thing on other days. I mean, it takes time. Not, hey, can you come spend the afternoon with my witness and teach him how to be a good witness in front of a jury? No, that's not how this happens. You're going to prepare, prepare them usually for adverse examination, and they're going to get clobbered in the face. And what are they going to do, right? Are they going to follow the system? And then afterwards, they have to be rehabilitated by their attorney, completely different skill set, completely different objective. It takes two days. You try to cram that in the one day. Yeah. Really, it's just not smart. It's really, really unwise. But another thing that I think it's taken for granted. And when witnesses go rogue, I think this is one of the main factors. There's not enough trust, not enough trust and faith has been established between the witness and the legal team. No, 100% agree. Is the problem because you skip over that stuff and you bring them in your office, you start throwing documents at them, you start talking legal stuff, legal. You can't do that with your, A, we've already talked about this multiple times. Everybody, the whole world has a mental health problem right now, okay? People are on edge. People are distracted. People are stressed. And you expect them to come into your law firm and just trust you and do whatever you say? No, no, they, you, you need to take care of these people. I'm not saying you need to be a therapist, however, there is some therapeutic communication you can do to make sure these folks are okay. Cause I think a lot of times these witnesses go rogue again, they just, they don't care enough about the process. They haven't bonded with the legal team. The legal team just assumes the witness is on board. 
I mean, Steve, that's not always the case. No, and I think going back, you know, cases that we've had really, really well, that where the witnesses perform really well is, is those situations where they know and trust. And, and I make a really big point of doing it and say, hey, you know, trust in your counsel that they'll come up. And if the answer is yes or no, and there's an explanation, say yes, say no, sit there. And if opposing counsel wants to ask follow-up, they will, which they won't probably. Trust that your counsel is going to come up and do that and, and ask the follow-up question and allow you to get out that explanation rather than you trying to force it because you don't trust it. And when you get the witness to understand that, yeah, okay, my attorney has my best interest in mind and I don't need to explain it now because I can trust they will give me an opportunity. Yeah, that's when they don't go rogue to your point because when they don't trust the attorney to do that, they, they want to force the explanation and they want to force and do things like you said and go rogue because they want to preemptively strike rather than wait and, and follow the plan. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe another part of your story, which you have failed to mention yet, maybe you're going to go on a two-part series rant was I'd like you to tell our audience. Um, okay. Without obviously not naming names or the case, right? Now I don't even want to know the sex slash gender of this person. Okay, I'm going to ask you the question this way. How important is it to have a really solid script of mock questions for your prep session to really go over the witness with? Because if you just try to wing that, you're not simulating the process. Like, I think they may ask you this. No, 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 no. No, we have to simulate this process and you need to attack the witness. You have to have, you want them to go rogue during the, during the prep session, right? But if you sit there and you dilly dally and you're just kind of informally going over questions and topics, I mean, Steve, that's not enough. No. And no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you need to. And I think it needs to be clear too. And for, like you said, the attorneys who are listening and anybody else who's listening is that there needs to be an expectation that you'll come in and have a set long list of questions that you plan to ask the attorney, like you said, rather than, or ask the witness, excuse me, rather than, just plan to do it on the fly because like I said, when it goes on the fly, it, it never works. And then there's instances where, you know, they turn <laughs> to us and say, okay, do you have questions that you want to ask? And, and then all of a sudden now we, we come up and have to, we, we can manage to do it when we're on the spot, but at the same time, we're not attorneys uh, and we don't know the case as well as the attorneys do. So having us ask the questions is not yeah. going to be as effective than an attorney who is skilled in doing that and knows what opposing counsel is going to ask in the way they're going to ask it. So, yeah, I, I think yeah. if you're not preparing those questions ahead of time, I think you're doing mm -hmm. your case and your witness a, a great disservice. So, so here, I, so I had, I've had to address this recently because here's the excuse I get. It's, well, it's the week before trial. I'm doing all this other stuff. I don't have time to sit here and prep a witness. Okay, well, then why don't we back up this timeline? I mean, you, I think it's pretty obvious what's going on in most of these cases you don't have to do this the week. You could do a booster session the week before trial. Okay. I tell Mike, I go, I, I want this witness four to six weeks out because I'm going to pound them. I'm going to crush them and I need them ready and I need to get them going. And then we could do as many booster sessions. Uh, so by the time we get right before trial, your hair is on fire. You're busy writing motions, right? Uh, creating exhibits. You don't have to worry about your witness prep because it was done in a stepwise process starting four to six weeks ago. Right. But the problem is if I get the call, hey, what are you doing next week? Oh, by the way, our trial's in two weeks. Like, 
like we're all kind of screwed at that point right i mean yeah and then like you said it's just way too much stuff i mean honest when we do our training and like you said beating up on witnesses I mean, we always say it's like drinking water from a fire hose. We're putting them through a bunch of it stuff. Is. We're throwing a lot of stuff at them. And now layer in, you know, exhibits and having them to re reread their deposition and layer in all these things. I mean, you're really setting yourself up. It's just an information overload. We're, you're already overloading on top of overload. And there's only so much the human mind can really handle. And I think you're really setting yourself up, like I said, for the witness to crash and burn because it's just too much for them with too short a period of time. It's like cramming for... It's like cramming for the bar exam a week I know. before the bar exam. Well, and here's another thing, which we're going to this perfect transition. I think a lot of legal teams take their foot off the gas because they're expecting things to settle. Okay. And guess what? My data shows they're not settling. These no. guys are not settling. So I have, I went back. I mean, uh, this year's still been kind of very slow. A lot of courtrooms starting to open up, but I have eight eight cases I consulted on that went to verdict this year. Okay. Now, how, how do you define the win and loss column? I think things have been very redefined because what's happening is again, my cases aren't settling. Right. And so, and we have liability problems and that's why they're not settling number one, but number two, Everybody wants a chunk of this nuclear verdict. They're the at the plaintiff's bar, by the way. And Steve, you you saw that seminar uh, back in the middle of COVID, remember? Where they're like, we're not what what, what he, he was yelling at guys for selling settling yeah. cases, remember? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they yelling, they, yelling at them. Yeah. Essentially, the nice PG way of saying it is that <laughs> if you're settling cases, you're weak, right? Yeah. There's no reason why you should be settling cases. So the plaintiff's bar is talking, and the current theme they have is. Don't like Morgan and Morgan down in Florida. Don't settle. Don't you take them to trial because the odds that you're going to outmaneuver them are are high, right? It's a it's a it's it's a fact. So I got eight of these things going to trial. Um, I am gonna give myself an eight no record, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because before each of these verdicts, I asked the client. I said, "What is a win?" In this case, what is what is a win? And every single time they told me between this dollar amount or, or, or underneath this dollar amount, right? That's a win. I'll be happy, clients happy. You know, liability is liability. So the nice thing is on four of these eight, we went on liability. Boom. You know, there you go. I'm gonna tell you what's in common with these cases. On the other four lost on liability and kind of knew we were okay steve every one of these okay the one oh and so today da, 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 uh right here in the great state of the right here in the tar hill state i'll give you the kind of overall figures i cannot tell you what the name of the case is anything like that verdict came back this morning okay so i'm so glad i'm actually here and i'm going to meet with these guys tomorrow for coffee and this plaintiff attorney asked for roughly i'm just giving you round figures roughly 50 million dollars okay 50 five zero going for the jugular this is like a two and a half week trial almost three week trial and this jury comes back and it was a tough case steve very unique case very tough Steve. this, this jury comes back under seven million dollars 
that's that gets put in the W column. Right. Attorney's happy, legal team's happy, client's happy. The demand, the settlement demand on the case, and this is what they do every time now. I'm just I try to tell you guys what they do because this is what happens. They were saying, hey, give me 25 million. This is on the this is on the uh the, the 30 days before trial, Steve. Give me 25 million because I'm asking for 50 at trial, and you don't want to get hit for 50. Well, we just gave them the big middle finger on that one. And I'll tell you why we gave them the big, big middle finger. Back to our methodology, Steve. Not one, two mock trials. We knew what the damages were. We knew. We knew. I knew that 80%, I had an 80% chance of this coming in under 10 million. Why? I scientifically researched it with, with two sets of juries twice okay we knew what it was going to be now we knew we had some risk there but i'll take 80 20 right it's better than 50 50 but we really really knew um we also learned about some things that were the most damaging to us that we need to address and change all right second thing we did with our main two witnesses who are technically our named defendants star witnesses multiple days of trial prep and we ready for this we started the trial prep four months ago, four <laughs> for, for trial, right? And did multiple sessions and every 30 days, kept getting them ready, kept getting them ready, kept getting them ready, okay? Uh, we sent one of our colleagues, Dr. Speckar, who's been on the show, set him up because I wasn't available. I was out in Las Vegas with you. Um, sent him out to consult on, on jury selection, okay? I mean, one of the top guys on this planet in jury selection. Uh, he helped with the supplemental jury questionnaire. So, okay, so what does this mean? This, this client invested in the weaponry to avoid a nuclear verdict, right? And on the other cases I told you about, the same thing happened, weaponry. They know what they got to do. They've got to do the research. They've got to get the witness. They've got to scientifically be ready for jury selection in this new day. In every single one of these W's, that's exactly what we did. And then you're going to love this. Well, I, I'm not going to tell you which verdict it is because I don't want to start a shitstorm. I already got enough people mad at me. Um, there was a very, very, very large verdict recently <clears throat> that we have a slide about. Correct. Right? Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, I was uh, up in New York City uh, the last two days working on a, a, a huge, huge case, like case in the media, very, uh, it, it's a bad case. And I talked to that attorney and as he was dropping me off at the airport, he goes, I know that guy that tried the case, the defense attorney down, down, you know, I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to approach the name of this case. And I go, really? He goes, oh yeah, I talked to him. And he looked at me as he was driving Steve and he goes, they didn't do shit to prepare. They didn't do shit. They didn't want to try it. They didn't, do, they didn't do anything to prepare because their client wouldn't didn't want to invest in the weaponry. I think that's the biggest verdict I've seen in a long time. I remember, my, remember my phone was ringing after the yeah. verdict. I'm going, what the hell is going on? But he talked to that attorney and said, what happened? What did you do? Like what happened? And he goes, I didn't get authority for a mock trial. I did. He should have done three mock trials. Uh, with that case, 
holy shit. Didn't prep the witnesses with people like us. And they went through their cost saving. This is what the whole reptile thing is about, right? Or now right. Keenan's Edge, depending on who you listen to. Exactly. I had to get Keenan in there again. I'm sure he had a nice Thanksgiving too. I'm sure that guy puts on a hell of a Thanksgiving party. I, I don't know. I didn't get an invite. Did you? No, I was gonna say I don't think I don't think we're getting invited anytime okay. soon. But but here's my point: is all of my clients are avoiding nuclear verdicts. This is what the whole world is worried about on the defense side, right? How many speeches have I given this year on nuclear verdicts? I, I can't even count them. The ones I have lined up for next year, I can't even count them. And it's the same formula that we're following. And look at the differences in demand versus outcome. Now, it's great when the outcome's zero. It's great. Some of these cases, it's not going to happen. Right. Because you did screw something up. All right. But maybe you have a good causation argument. Maybe you have really likable witnesses, Steve. But when the other when the other person asks for $75 million and that verdict comes in under 10, do you know, do you know what that plaintiff attorney feels like? Oh, and by the way, so today, rumor on the street is this plaintiff attorney who asked for the 15 <laughs> got, got under 10. Very, very unhappy attorney. Wow. Not a happy camper. I love that's this right. job. Yeah, that's right. That's what we live for. I, lo I love to frustrate the uh, opposing but counsel. But it's great. But I, it's like, it's this is great. I mean, but then you go see some of these other verdicts. It's funny. The nuclear verdict formula, we know. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you how. You want a nuclear verdict? I'll show you how to get a nuclear verdict. Right. But if you want to avoid one, this is what you got to do. And so everybody's got to start looking in the mirror. Um, I had our guy, Matt Moffitt, call me. He calls me like at 5.30 on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And he's like, I'm trying to convince my client that they got to spend this money because these, uh, these attorneys are raising the demands. It's scaring, it's, it's scaring everybody shitless. And it should because they're sending the message. And I think this is just a blanket strategy across the players bar is force these defense counsel and client force them into the courtroom force them in there because that's where you're going to get them if they're not prepared i think they're right but then i can go to show you if they are prepared nuclear verdict avoided hell nuclear settlement avoided i mean you know you really gotta look at the numbers so i think going forward steve then you guys can we can wrap this up i think you have to define a win a certain way you're not just going to go out there and go undefeated on liability. You're not going to do it. But if you know what you're doing, and we, you talked about before the podcast, I've talked about this on several. So this, again, this case that the verdict came out this morning, of course, on Thanksgiving weekend, what am I doing? I'm on the phone with defense counsel going over. Here's how we're going to outline our closing argument. I didn't, I was not drinking space dust at this time. I, I can good. fully assure you of that. Okay. Um, and we went through we talked about when to bring up damages, how much to bring up, the counter anchoring effect, because we knew the other guy was going to ask for 50 million. I've done this over and over and over again. We went through the whole formula. Here's how long it should be. Here's the order of information. Here's how many times you say this particular phrase. Like the whole Johnny Cochran, right? Right. 
does not fit. You must acquit. He said it 19 times. You got to do the same thing, right? Things like fair, reasonable, evidence, burden of proof. You've got to say that stuff over and over and over and over. Okay. And then to keep them on track, I told him to bring up the mistakes that we saw in our mock trials where jurors would say yes on negligence and just kind of skip over causation, right? And go right to death. It's like, no, no, you, you can't do that. And here's why. To keep these people on track. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with the outcome. Um, every outcome I've had this year, I, I'm going to put in the W column. And the reason why is my clients defined the W before the trial. I said, what's a, what's a W here? And what's going on here is I think I think clients need to get this through their, their heads is you got to start looking at W's in dollar signs because I, I don't care what the I don't see these plaintiffs it, it, until some significant time goes by. I think the go to trial, go to trial, go to trial theme, right? And to double and triple demands, Steve, that's not going anywhere. That's not going anywhere. This is a big game of chicken, right? Right. Who's going to flinch first? You remember the game chicken, right? Yeah. Dumbass game. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what, what a dumbass game. But this is what it is. And they're, they want the other side to flinch. And if you don't, you better get prepared, right? Well, if you make either of those mistakes, you're going to be paying out multiples of what, you've, what you wouldn't pay it out. So I'm a, I'm a happy camper. Um, what do you want to... Uh, Let's see. So we're doing one uh, episode 100 here. Yep. In a couple of days. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it should be fun. I know we teed up our guest list on a, on a prior episode, but I'm looking forward to it. A lot of, a lot of good attorneys on there. We're just going to spend a lot of time them, yeah. just, just bullshitting with them and, and talking yeah. to them and having a good time. So I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. And hopefully the, the viewers will and listeners will get something out of it. I think it will, I want it to be entertaining, but I also, I want to get their perspective on, particularly with like almost what we just talked about is going forward, we have to redefine uh, some things. Steve, I already have, rough, for, for 2022, I already have roughly 12 national speaking engagements. 12. Many of them, many of them paid for. Look at that. So obviously doing something right, but I really do think based on the feedback we're getting, because listen, when I started this podcast and I dragged you into it, uh, I didn't know where this was going. I thought it was something cool. Uh, I enjoy it. I have fun with it. And I find it a way I can communicate with clients uh, because we bank these things. You can go back, start from episode one. Um, it's a really good way to share information. And it's also, I really, again, I, I told you last week, I, you know, if plaintiff attorneys get on here and they want to watch my play, good. That just gets my viewership up. Welcome plaintiff's bar. <laughs> Cause I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm going to beat you, but you know, they have their, they have their podcasts and you can go listen to them. I mean, I just listen to Nick rally on podcasts and I mean, you know, it's a way it's an even playing field when it comes to that. So I think we need, I think we need to keep this thing going. Um, and we'll line up for some, uh, some more guests, uh, yeah, I, got some guests I got some guests yeah. lining up actually. Uh, I got some people coming on one of them, one we mentioned earlier from Arkansas. So yeah, well, we'll have him on and we'll talk to him. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be good. I also want to do, uh, which we've done a couple of times, I want to do more of, I want to do more panels. New panel, you know, take 45 minutes and maybe get three people on, right? And we can bounce questions off of them from different perspectives or different types of litigation. There's all kinds of things that we want to do. And then uh, keep, uh, I have viewer mail, it's sitting on my desk at home. All right. Well, maybe we can so, we can tackle some of that with uh, with our panel on the hundredth episode, or we'll just come on and do a viewer viewer mail episode. Just yeah, be, because I, the one the most significant thing I have to repeat back to this trial prep thing that's making me nuts, which you have to counter anchor damages. You yeah. have to. I'll tell you exactly how to do it. <laughs> I'll tell you how much for probably, and I'll tell you I'll tell you how to phrase it. But if you don't do that, you, there you have no chance. But it's a, it's back to that, you know, necessary but not sufficient, right, Steve? Like that alone, that alone is necessary, but it's not sufficient to win the case. You have to have these other things that we've talked about in place, your witness performance, right? Your, your jury selection strategy, your opening statement, uh, order of information, your counter anchoring, all these things are a constellation that come together to produce great results. One but of think, these things, yeah. Well, I was just gonna say when you're talking about, you know, when we talk about trust in the process, I think going back to counter anchoring is really another one of those where the attorneys have to trust the process because when we've talked about this on the podcast before and we've written about this as well, is how many times have you got where you've heard an attorney say, Well, I don't want to offer up counter or an alternative damages, or what if I offer alternative damages? Aren't jurors going to think that I'm basically conceding liability? So I don't feel comfortable doing that. So I think, Myth. you know, what do you think about that? We've studied, this. We've studied this for decades. It's not true. Right. It's not true. It's not true. Now, there's a certain way you got to do it, right? You could do it in a really bad way, and it may look like that. But if you do it the right way, absolutely not. Because you're going to start this in jury selection, Steve, in voir dire. You're going to say, hey, you know, panel of jurors, you know. <laughs> Here's what, here's what I'm going to do. He's going to give you an absurd number. I am going to give you a different number because I think his or her number is absurd. And by the way, that doesn't mean I'm saying I'm liable anyway. I'm just saying I have an ethical obligation to attack that number. Everybody here okay with that. And the moment you do that, you've just essentially poisoned the well, right? Uh, and that's what you want to do. In other words, it's not poisoning the well. It's called priming. You're going to prime them. So when it happens, they go, yep, knew that was coming. He, boy, he did attack that number, right. right? And everybody's okay with it. But that's how you have to start that process and openings to tell you how to do different podcast. Yeah. But um, awesome. Hey, great number 99. Steve, take us away and I'll see you in a couple of days for number 100. All right. Thanks for joining us. This has been another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences, Inc., Check out our website, courtroomsciences.com. On there, blogs, posts, a lot of good material on there for anybody who's looking to get more information from the legal psychology perspective. Yep. Good luck to the Tar Heels tonight. As you know, uh, I always root against the University of Michigan. I apologize to yes. any of our Michigan fans. but I do, Don't apologize. Do not <laughs> apologize. Well, then, no. Then I'm not apologizing. Then. Go Heels. You guys know, like I said, go green. Uh, and in this situation... Uh, hopefully the Tar Heels take down the University of Michigan. We'll talk soon. And thanks for joining us for another edition of the podcast. Yeah.